Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits. How old are you, Johnny? She asked. Sixteen. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. A wise old king once said, Of the making of books, there is no end. How true today. Of the overabundance of writing published each year, what's worth reading? The answer is simple. Read only the best. Come join the discussion on Just the Best Literature. Hello again, everyone. Well, thanks for listening in today. On our last podcast, I finished discussing up through page 291, which was just a few pages short of completing chapter uh, 41. Now, I focused on Marlowe's introduction of the scoundrel and that evil Caucasian pirate who refers to himself as Gentleman Brown. Now, he was part of the aristocracy, so we'll talk about that more as we get into this program. Now, remember, Marlowe uniquely begins to tell the final days of Jim's story with a letter to a privileged individual, and uh, not surprising to us, we don't know who he is. He's just a privileged individual. So we are on fast track to complete, uh, uh, to complete the discussion of this incredible book. Hopefully by next week's program we will be done. Now, today I want to continue with Chapter 41 and move through Chapter 43. Now, uh, again, listeners, remember I'm going to give you just the highlights. And in fact, today I'm probably going to be giving you more page numbers instead of reading actual quotes. So today only Gabe is with me in the studio, and uh, my wife had some other things she needs to take care of, and since he's overseeing the taping, he will not be speaking. But let me tell you, he wants to. I could, I can just feel it coming from him, but he's going to have to just not deal with it. All right. So just to recap from uh, Chapter 41. Now, remember, Brown, who considered himself the scourge of God had formed a plan to ransack Pattison. And because Jim was white Englishman, he thought Jim would be his best ally to pillage Pattison, and then Brown planned to kill him. Now, it is Cornelius that ends up being Brown's ally, and uh, he too wants to kill Jim. So I think all of you that are really reading the book probably know this in advance anyway. Now, once Brown sees Jim, he realizes that he's not the kind of man he thought he was. And remember, from previous discussions, Jim is a peacemaker. He's not a scoundrel. And so uh, uh, Marlowe tells us that Brown hated him at first sight. And you can read that on page 290. Now I'll talk a little bit more about this as we, uh, as we get ahead. Just trying to give you some, some background again. Now remember, Jim has vibrant youth. He's, got, he's full of assurance. He's got clear blue eyes. He's got an untroubled bearing that exudes strength. He walks tall. Brown recognizes that Jim needs nothing from him. And when he talks to Jim, uh, his hopes of plundering Patazon just vanish. Again, that's page 290. Now, Brown recognizes Jim represents everything he despised and defied in his entire life. Again, that's, that's made, uh, that same statement is made on p- page 290. And the thing is, uh, all you readers out there, the reason why uh, Brown despises uh, Jim is that, uh, you know, he also was rejected as an aristocracy person. And so Brown, Brown uh, he, he, he thought he sensed something in Jim, and we'll talk about this a little bit too. But uh, uh, Brown 
he was rejected by the aristocracy even though he was a gentleman and so he goes and just becomes a rebel the rest of his life and tries to destroy what the aristocracy was doing now brown is also filled with so much violence and hate he wants to tear the pattis inhabitants to pieces and uh and the reason is it's because they had the gall to defy him and so so you can see that's part of his nature and in many ways what conrad is doing is he wants us to you know uh kind of line jim up with brown and here's two men from the same european society and uh you know he, he wants us to measure them up together and uh uh you know take us give us a good look at them here's Here's the way Jim responded to his being supposedly turned away, and look at how Brown re, uh, responded to it. He became, you know, an absolute rebel and a criminal and uh, a terrorist, really. All right, <clears throat> if we go to the top of page 291, and that's where I'm at right here, the full par- first full paragraph there, Brown has this incredible discussion with Jim on opposite sides of the muddy bed of the creek. Now, this is the same place Jim made his famous jump to escape from the Rogers prison. And I I do think it is just a a very interesting discussion. And essentially what it it shows, and and in some ways it's really sad, Jim, I I don't think, had a really good aspect in terms of reading people. And certainly, as as you read through this book, you can see that Jim is really naive about Brown. Uh, he trusts Brown, and uh, you know, he should never have trusted Brown. And so, so uh, uh, you know, there's some people like that in the world. They can have a really good read on people, and you know not to trust them. And uh, you know, Jim, um, you know, he he really just falls praise to he falls prey to to Brown's intimidation. And, uh, you know, he, he's, uh, he, I think it's really interesting here. Uh, this is page, bottom of page 290 and 291. This is probably the, the only, uh, the real quote I'll read from the book for this program. Uh, notice it says, um, Jim says to him at the bottom, Who are you? Jim asked at last, speaking in his usual voice. My name's Brown, answered the other loudly. Captain Brown, what's yours? And Jim, after a little pause, went on quietly as if he had not heard. And so, so Jim doesn't respond to, to Brown. And why do you think that? And the, the, the point is, uh, you know, I thought about this a little bit, and I realized Jim it knows that Brown is from his old world. He knows that Brown is, is white European. And, and he knows that, that Brown is also, you know, into the sea. He's a sailor. Uh, he's, he's captain of a ship. And Jim probably doesn't know what he knows about him and so if he gives his name then what's that going to do to Jim it's going to bring up the Pattison again and so it's going to bring up this this uh, event in his past which really uh, as uh, Marlowe indicates and as uh, you know even Conrad is trying to get us to see he should have put that aside a long time ago and uh, uh, anyway what Jim does, instead of giving his name, he says, what made you come here? He says, you want to know, said Brown bitterly, it's easy to tell, hunger. And what made you? So, so essentially what, what we want to understand, I think, from, from this part of the book, 
is that Brown actually has a better insight into Jim than Jim has into Brown. And so he, he said, uh, and I remember now, in this chapter, it is the letter that Marlowe writes about what he discovered from, um, you know, Jewel and Itam uh, at Stein's house. And so this is the letter. And so you're still reading a letter. Now, what Brown says, uh, essentially to Marlowe, he says, the fellow started at this, said Brown, relating to me the opening of the strange conversation between these two men, separated only by the muddy bed of a creek, but standing on the opposite poles of that conception of life which includes all mankind. And so there's, there's Conrad. He's, uh, he's waxing eloquent there for us. But, but essentially what happens in this conversation, Brown begins to reveal himself you know, uh, to us, but also Brown really begins to see into Jim's character and that Jim is hiding something. And, of course, uh, Brown has a lot to hide uh, from all the criminal acts he's done. And so, so I think it's, it's really kind of, of, of interesting here. So, so continuing on this, this uh, chapter 41, um, Brown is clever enough to figure out that Jim is living in a place like Patterson for some hidden reason. And he wants to figure it out because essentially uh, he wants to destroy Jim and he wants to find it out. But, but essentially what he does here is he really intimidates Jim. And uh, Jim, Jim, you know, it kind of takes on that, well, he's got to hide this past. He's, uh, you know, Brown obviously believes that there's something in his past that's embarrassed him, and he begins to play on it. Now, Jim, if you also have read into this, this uh, chapter uh, on page 291, uh, he does not answer Brown's question of why he's there. And, of course, we know that, that he wants to be a peacemaker. He wants to bring peace to that, to that, uh, you know, to that island. And so, uh, uh, if you, uh, uh, I think I already read this. So, so, uh, um, well, maybe I could read this part just a little bit. It says, I told him, this is, this is Brown. I told him that if he looked upon me as a dead man with whom he may take liberties, he himself was not a whit better off, really. I had a fellow up there who had a bead on him all the time and only waited for a sign from me. There was nothing to be shocked at this. He had come down of his own free will. Let us agree, said I, that we are both dead men, and let us talk on that basis as equals. We are all equal before death. I said, I admitted there was... There was like a rat in a trap, but we had been driven to it, and even trapped rat can't can give a bite. And he caught me up at the moment. He says, "Not if you don't go near the trap till the rat is dead." And so, can you imagine this conversation? And essentially, what Brown is doing is he says, "Look, I'm just like a rat caught in a trap right now." And uh, you know, uh, he he really was, and I mean, Brown really was in trouble because there was enough men on Patterson and there was enough powder for their guns that they could have wiped them out. And so he says, look, I'm a rat in a trap. But then also he, he alludes that Jim is also a rat in a trap and that they're both dead men. And so, so Brown doesn't have the whole story, but you know, he sure is uh, working at intimidating Jim. 
Now, this, essentially, when you read this this chapter forty one, essentially what you're doing is is uh, reading Conrad's comparison of these two men, and uh, he shows how Brown just begins to work on Jim, and uh, you know it's it's uh, uh, essentially what happens then in this chapter is is what Brown Brown still has his plan to ransack Pattison, but he's he's deceitful and Jim can't pick up on it. And so what Brown wants is he wants is the opportunity to fight it out or be let go. And uh, you know, Brown threatens Jim with with all these kind of insults. And uh, you know, Jim Jim in in his uh I'd, I'd say in his uh confidence, remember he he does have assurance and uh uh you know, I don't think Jim was necessarily affected by it. This is page 292. It says, "You don't deserve a better fate," he said. And what do you deserve? I shouted at him. You that I find skulking here with your mouth full of your responsibility of innocent lives of your infernal duty. What do you know more of me than I know of you? I came here for food. Do you hear? Food to fill our bellies. And what did you come for? What did you ask for when you came here? And so so he's still trying very hard to uh, intimidate Jim. And, uh, you know, in some ways he's getting under his skin but Jim, in, in some ways, is really cool, and he doesn't let it really get into him. So uh, let's go on now to chapter 42. So we're done with 41. Chapter 42, remember now this is Marlowe's letter, and uh, he continues the discussion between Jim and Brown. And uh, essentially, I, like I said, um, Jim is naive about Brown, but also Jim begins to, begins to see in this chapter that Brown is a danger to his work on Pattison. Remember, uh, Jim wants Pattison to be at peace. Brown is going to come in, and he's going to really stir up a lot of trouble. And uh, remember, now he got rid of Sharif Ali, and uh, and now Brown is in there. It's kind of like he stepped into the gap. Now, again, Brown... Again, I think this this whole chapter is Marlowe is continuing this study of these two men, and he's giving us these two men as comparison, as a comparison, and it's really there to to bring out other aspects of human nature. You know, Jim Jim has his human nature. Brown has his. All of us favor Jim. Jim is on the the uh, peacemaking side. Brown is on the other side, and uh, you know, Brown continues to to claim to Jim that he's only a beggar. He's just there for food. He's just trying to escape his, his bad luck. And he's outnumbered by the people of Pattison. So, so he's really working on Jim's sympathy and saying, come on, just let us go. Just let us go. And, uh, you know, Brown then, but still, when he does that, he goes on to say to Jim, and this is uh, like page 301, if you, if you really want to, uh, to follow what we're doing. So I've skipped, skipped ahead quite a bit. But, but if you go to page 301 and you see this, Brown asks Jim directly if he has anything fishy in his life. Brown tells Jim, look, we have the same European blood, we share the same common experience, and we have a common secret guilt. And so, uh, you know, Jim isn't going to fess up on anything. And really, when you look at it, <laughs> Jim doesn't have near the guilt that Brown has. I mean, he jumped off a ship. And and uh, it was a, a really intense situation, and so so uh, 
you know, Brown is just really digging in there to see if he can get Jim to come on his side. Now, uh, remember this now, and, and don't forget this as we get close to the end here. Um, the, the only thing they have in common is that they both were rejected. You know, he's a rejected autocrat, and, uh, you know, Jim feels he was rejected by, um, you know, the the, the uh, shipping industry when they, you know, took away his, his uh, credentials. Now, Brown does declare to Jim in this chapter, chapter 42, he does declare that he will leave the island peacefully, and, of course, Jim believes him, and that's that was a big mistake. And, uh, uh, but Jim... Jim uh, still he has he has that assurance and, and remember now they're still talking over this muddy creek and so so I think it's it's a, you have to kind of really work hard to get the scene in your mind and uh, there's the undercurrent symbol of freedom you know who, who's going to have the freedom to you know continue with their life is it going to be Jim or is it going to be Brown and uh, remember that was that was uh, Jim's jump to freedom right there. Now, again, uh, Jim says to, to uh, Brown in this chapter, he says, look, you're either going to have a clear road or else you're going to have a clear fight. And so, so Jim isn't necessarily backing down right there. But, again, as I've been saying, Jim was naive about Brown. He believes his word. And then he goes off to confer with Dorman, and he explains that, that uh, you know, Jim. Jim, I think, is uh, somewhat of a peacemaker here, even with Brown. Is is uh, they really do have enough defense that they could get rid of Brown if Brown, um, you know, doesn't pull off any any fighting that they can let him go. And uh, he goes to Dorman, and uh, uh, you know, he explains what he wants to do. He wants to go ahead and let him go, go but he's going to make him take a route on the outside of the island that so he doesn't pass into Patteson, the village. And so, uh, you know, Dorman is really concerned. Uh, he knows Brown is just an evil man, and he's, he's, not, he's concerned. And uh, Jim, Jim explains to him, and, and this, is, this, is, this is where kind of Jim is trying to look on the bright side, or maybe he's trying to look on, on the other side of people. Some people can be evil, some people can be evil and have a good side as well. And uh, that's the way Jim looks at it. And uh, what Jim explains to Dorman, and again, this is right in this middle of this chapter, he explains that there are erring men who don't know right from wrong because of their suffering. And, uh, you know, they're, they're essentially they're corrupted. And why are they suffering? They're suffering because they're, they're corrupted. And, of course, that's something that all men have to learn. And, uh, you know, uh, essentially that's why people are on the earth to learn that, uh, you know, there is a right way to live. And obviously, uh, you know, God wants us to live according to his laws, according to his commandments, according to his government. And if you live that way, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be happy. And of course, there is a devil out there who wants us to rebel against God, rebel against his laws, rebel against his commandments. And that's the suffering that causes the suffering. And so, so Conrad would never put it in those terms, but that's that's what he was always grasping for. How do how do you solve this problem with human nature? Now, uh, the key thing in this chapter, 
and that you the the key statement that Jim makes in this chapter, and and I think it really explains what's going to happen here. Uh, you know, before we finish the last couple chapters, is is you know Dorman and the Patterson people really trusted Jim. Dorman, like I said, is concerned now because of Brown. This is a this is a problem for the island. But Jim Jim believes that his plan is so right that what he does is he vows his life. Uh, in other words, he, he's saying, look, I'll give my life, or you can take my life if any harm comes to the people as a result of my plan. And so, so in some ways, uh, I think Jim did get a little bit of uh, too much, too much, um, I don't know, I don't know exactly the right word to say, but but I don't want to say he was stuck up, but he began to maybe think too highly of himself that he could work things out because he had a lot of success on Patterson. And so so uh, I, I guess in some ways you could maybe could call it an arrogance. And so so he said, look, I vow I'll, I'll answer with my life if any harm comes to the people of Patterson. And so... Uh, as those of you that have probably finished the book, uh, you know that this is this is what is going to happen. So Jim requests also at the end of this chapter is that Dane Warris lead the men guarding the island as Brown leaves, and so so again, <clears throat> that's a uh, that's just a um, foreshadowing of what's what's coming. All right. Now I told you I wanted to get into chapter forty three by today and here we are we're at chapter 43 now i think it's really interesting and and uh jim uh discusses the plan with with uh Dorman, but then uh he also brings in all the bougie council so he brings everybody in and he begins to discuss his plan and and this you can find this is definitely be, uh uh it's alluded to in chapter uh 42 and uh, but it comes in chapter forty-three, and again, if you read all of these chapters, you can fill in the little the little places that I'm skipping over, and uh, you know, uh, chapter forty-three, uh, Jim has already been discussing his plan. We we know that with chapter forty-two, and uh, the, what we're given here is Tam I Tam. Remember now, he is the the um, servant that really protects Jim. Uh, Tam is really shocked at Jim's plan, and so are the people. There are people outside uh, the meeting, and uh, you know they're 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 hearing what's going on, and everybody is really, um, uh, you know, they're really excited. They're really interested. They do all trust Jim, and so so they've they've come to trust what he wants to do, and I think there are some people who are concerned about it, uh, but Tam. Tam is is shocked, and uh, Tam wants to fight as they did against Sharif Ali, and he said, "Why don't we just, you know, take care of these men, just wipe them out, and uh, there's that way there's not a chance they could come back and do anything." And so, so there's also this immense sensation against or among the other leaders, and they're they're overly really concerned. And uh, uh, what Jim does is he really works hard to explain to them that this plan of his is the best of his knowledge. And so I, I already mentioned that, that he, he's kind of really, really 
may be overly self-assured. And uh, you know, he, he does not consider that he could be lying to. And uh, Jim just tells them, look, I've never deceived you. And look what I've done for you. And so, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the people that were in the meeting, you know, they believe him. But the, the members that were outside the meeting, they're shuffling their feet. They're whispering among themselves with unbelief. And, you know, not everyone is really, really sure. But essentially, they all, they all follow Jim because they do trust him. And remember, that was one of the big things that, that Jim said to Marlowe, is they trust me. And, of course, uh, you know, he did do a lot of good things for them. All right. And so, so Dorman, he finally agrees to the plan, and they all agree because, and Marlowe says this right in the book, and you can find it around page 300, 301, they all believed in Tuan Jim. So Lord Jim. So they, they really did follow this this white man. He was their Lord. Now, <clears throat> I think it's interesting, and it's on page 301, and, uh, uh, you know, Marlowe, uh, and, and really it's really Conrad that does this, but Marlowe, uh, you know, says in his letter, he, he, rem- he remembers Stein's words and uh, about Jim, and Jim was a romantic and he's like a romantic hero. And, uh, you know, he says that Stein sees him as that. But then on page 301, if you look at it carefully, uh, Marlowe and others, including Jewel, saw him as a mystery. And so, so uh, we're, we're going to see this, this develop as we, as we continue. Now, one of, the, one of the other very important things of this chapter, and... Uh, it's it's something that that you need to um, to realize is that Cornelius is really he's the ally of Brown, and again Jim doesn't suspect him at all, and uh, uh, I would think that maybe Jewel would suspect him more than than Jim would, but but essentially what uh, what happens is that the you know the plans in place and. What uh, what Jim does is he trusts Cornelius to take a paper or an agreement that, that they've all made together, take it to show it to Dane Warris that that uh, they're going to lead or, or leave Brown to to escape the island. They're going to let Brown leave, and so so uh, uh, it it really is um, kind of shocking that he would give that to Cornelius. So that just that just brings Cornelius closer to Brown. So essentially, what happens then? Cornelius betrays Jim and the natives, and he joins forces with Brown. And essentially, what he does is he tells the unsuspecting Brown that Dane Waros is stationed downriver as a safety precaution. Now, um, the, this this thing really does bother Brown is is uh, at first Brown believes Jim sold him out in other words Brown believes that that Jim is setting him up and they're going to you know they're going to destroy him uh, as as he leaves but but essentially then Brown begins to realize well no uh, that was just smart planning on his part and uh you know he, he doesn't realize that Jim really actually did believe him but but you have to remember now Cornelius is in the middle of this 
and uh, uh, essentially in this chapter, Jim also offers to bring brown food once they're out of Pattison. And so, and, and actually Cornelius says to him, well, he's always tells the truth. He, he'll do that. He'll always tell the truth. But really, it's Cornelius that wants, wants Jim killed. Cornelius just hates him. And so he really wants that done. And so, so uh, essentially, um, Cornelius tells Brown that there is an alternative way out of Pattison to avoid Dane Warris and his armed men. And so, so essentially, what, what happens then is uh, going to be discussed in the next chapter. And so, so essentially, that's all the time we have for today's program. Now, on our next program, I will complete our discussion of Lord Jim Lord Jim, and so get out your Kleenex. And although I know uh, at our festival uh, of Tabernacles and uh, last uh, last couple of weeks, I was up in Mount Pocono, and a lot of people came up to me, said they've been reading the book, and they know what happens. So, <laughs> so I asked them if they were shocked, and they go, "Yes, I was shocked." So anyway, uh, it's rather late to buy Lord Jim, but if you have not. It is still a great book to read and reread. Now, you can buy Lord Jim at Amazon.com. You may be able to find a good used copy at abebooks.com. You may be also able to find a copy in your local bookstore. And, of course, you can also check your local library. So please write me any comments you have to, to jbl at pcog.org. And remember, now we're done with the series. or almost done. So uh, I'm expecting a lot of comments now here at the end. You can follow JBL on Twitter at JBLiterature1. I will be announcing this new series very soon up there. You can also follow JBL on Facebook. Simply search for Just the Best Literature. So until next time, keep reading. You've been listening to Just the Best Literature on Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG. Streaming online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.